Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting rehearsal this week, and it is the start of the competitive marching band season! We will find out what made Steven say... There's one guy who's gonna keep going, and he's not gonna stop. And that's not gonna be the case on the horn bus, because that would be weird if one guy just keeps singing trumpet parts. But you will have one snare drummer who's not going to sleep, and he's going to continue drumming. And why Trish said, "Are we aliens? Are we space? Are we are we astronauts? Are we?" And it's so much fun. And I started putting putting it together tonight. All this and more. So get out on the field, and we will see you back on the sidelines for this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form check. Form cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. It is the beginning of many people's competitive seasons, and there are ups and downs for everyone. First, let's see who's on the sidelines this week. Hey, Trish. Hi. How's it going over there? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am excellent. The things are awesome. So, Good. and I'm excited to be here recording with you guys. Now, Steven is running late, so you all know what the rule is on that. I will make sure he uh, has my coffee for me. <laughs> We also have a super fantastic special guest co-host joining us this week. Uh, we must get into your social media posts, especially the advice you give to new instructors out there at the beginning of the season here. But please welcome back to rehearsal. It's Jonathan Listjack. Yay! So for those listeners who maybe didn't hear our previous episode when you gave us your 32 count life story, uh, can you give us like a 16 count recap version of who you are, where you've been, what you're doing? Sure. Um, I spent 10 years as a high school band director in Northwest Ohio. Now from nine to five, I'm an attorney and for all the other minutes and probably a few extra in the day, I'm a color guard instructor and marching band color guard adjudicator, just doing more band stuff than I did when I was teaching band and, you know, hanging out with you isn't folks tonight. Weird, isn't it weird how that works? Yeah, I think it's a pretty sad commentary on the way that public schools treat their band directors when you teach yep. more band, you're not actually the band director, but, you know... I got so much crap when I was, I, so I'm a biology teacher, which is, you know, not marching band, but I did not teach the color guard at the school where I was the biology teacher when I was teaching in the public school. So I got a lot of, of, uh, but they didn't, th that school didn't want to pay me anything to teach the color guard. They wanted me to do it out of goodness of my heart. And I had other clients who needed my a time and attention and were willing to help yeah. me put food on the table. So you know, what do you do? Uh, so it is the start of the competitive marching band season for a lot of the bands in our areas. And this is such, you guys are such a great group to talk about this. Um, so what are some of the biggest missteps that people take in just getting their season off the ground? 
Uh, the biggest thing that I see, especially some of the groups that I clinic for or go into is just, you know, it's almost, it's almost like a planning issue from the start sometimes, um, like going all the way back to band camp and they find themselves, you know, now we're at the start of the competitive season where we're going to go out and we're worried about scores and performances and awards and things like that. But we weren't setting ourselves up for that process in July. You know, we started worrying about that in September. And so, you know, I see some programs who, you know, approach their process very relaxed at the beginning because they feel like they have so much time. And, you know, you look at the calendar and it does look like you have a lot of time. But then you have this major, like, paradigm shift in your program where your kids were sort of moving comfortably through. And then these two weeks before contest number one, it's go, 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 go. And the kids just aren't prepared for that. And so it creates stress for the kids, stress for the directors, stress for the designers. Um, that's what I'm seeing the most of right now. And at least, you know, I don't know where it's like where other folks are at, but like Ohio, the beginning of the competitive marching band season tends to coincide with like homecoming, fall breaks, oh, yeah. the first ACT. So then, you know, even in addition to the pacing piece, like we're not planning around the students, the rest of the students' lives, you know, as we're trying to like add extra rehearsals or certainly not want to cancel what we have. And you know, just for that planning piece from the front end. Trish, what about you? What do you see when you're working with these different groups? Um, the most important thing for me as the color guard director is, and, and some people's processes differ. Um, my process is I like to get it all done. I like to have it out there at the first show, even though I'm not trying to say that we're, you know, doing temporary fixes just to get it done. Um, I try to be really smart and have a method to my planning process. I like it all done at the first show. Other mm -hmm. people don't. Other people like, okay, it's okay if the closer's not done. Or um, I'm one of these where I want to see it all. I want to see, I want to see the big picture. I want to see it all. I want to know what, and then you, then you have all that time to go into detail and do what you want to do because you got that first read on it. You're not, you're not stressed. I, I always feel like, and people can come on and, you know, argue their side of the argument. I get it. No, I'm totally it. on your side. I, I, I'm agreeing with you right here. Um, <laughs> Here. And then, then you just, you have all that time to just go back in and fix and adjust. And, and like, you know, Jonathan is saying, now you're getting the kids more comfortable with it. You're kind of, you're yeah. not, you're not teaching new work or new choreography or new stuff when they have a test that you now, now they're getting heavy duty into the semester, you know, a test on Thursday and a this and a paper due and everything else. So that's my process. I don't know if that works for everybody, but that's how I feel about it. I like to know if I'm going to have to change something in the show yes. before mm -hmm. spend weeks and weeks cleaning it or rehearsing it. You know, that's right. what becomes frustrating. You spent, you know, three weeks cleaning the, the close, the opener, and then you find out it doesn't work and you're like, where'd that three weeks go now? Right. Or at least you get it all out there and you know, you want it you want it produced enough that the kids are comfortable and the program looks respectable, but maybe not invest all that minutiae into the cleaning process before you even know if you're gonna like it or not. A thousand percent. Yep. Yeah, I, I well what I've seen too with uh our sort of at competition time, when you first break out in, in competition, those groups that have a really clean, you know, opener or first two songs of their show, they might, they might start like come out the gate, like winning. But as the season goes on, it seems like those groups who knew their whole show from the beginning of the season 
are going to be the ones who creep up and take over those top spots toward the end of the season. Cause it's just, it's so hard for kids to wrap their minds around that new stuff or huge changes halfway mm-hmm. through the season. And you got to realize, you know, you're working with high school students, right. you're working with these kids who are like, you know, their, their brains aren't fully developed yet. And, and so they, you know, taking changes is, it can be really hard on them. Uh, we had someone on Facebook ask this question. I just had a student quit with six weeks left in our season. Our first competition is a week away. So how do I keep the morale up during this time with, like, assume with the other students? Hey guys, it's Alicia. And I want to bring it in on that question from Jackie. Come on around. Let's get in the shade for a second. Each week, I'm going to be giving advice and answering your questions or concerns just like that one. If you want to ask me a question, DM us on Instagram at on a water break or email us at on a water break podcast.com. Now to what Jackie just asked. First, ugh, it seems like kids always quit right before the first show. I've thought for years that this is the hardest point in the season to get through because kids just don't know what they're doing it for yet. Yes, they've had the Friday night lights, but we all know that the competition environment is just different. And at this point in the season, they haven't experienced that yet. They've only had long, hot days and hard rehearsals and band directors that are impatient and staff that is stressed. This is when students bicker the most and when the drama starts. This is the boiling point. And sometimes that pot boils over and kids quit. And in keeping with that metaphor, you've just got to put a lid on it and try to get it to simmer down, you know. I know it goes against every fiber of our being, but I found that the most success is backing off at this point. The week before a show isn't going to change your score a ton, but what will change things is if you back off and stop stressing. Make it fun. Instead of a tough sectional, play a game. Give them a mental break. Sit down and let the staff share their competition day horror stories because we all have one. The kids will grow from hearing it, and it'll definitely boost morale going into that first show. And at the end of the day, it's just color guard. We want the kids to have a good time, right? And we want to keep them coming back. All right. I'll step off my box and let you guys get back to it. Um, I think it really kind of depends on the reason for quitting. If the reason for quitting is that there was an issue in-house and an issue with, you know, other members or, you know, whatever, um, that's, that's a little bit, that's going to be, that's going to be a little harder to manage that Mm -hmm. situation. Um, if it was something like, um, their parents want them to focus on SATs or they're, you know, they're moving or they're getting a job or whatever. Um, you, you just kind of, kind of reason with the kids and make them understand that. Um, but the other situation, if there was some sort of drama attached or they had a fight with somebody or whatever, um, that is, that's a little bit more sensitive because you, now you want to make sure it doesn't snowball. Now you want to make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, this, oh, well, so-and-so quit. Now I'm going to quit. So-and-so quit. Now I'm going to quit. Um, so that, that was a little bit, that's a little trickier. And man, you don't know what they talk about on those group chats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do not know what they talk about on those group chats. And for the most part, I don't want to know. So no, I was going to say, I, I don't, don't want to know either. <laughs> I tell my kids, I don't want to know. Don't even tell me. I don't want to know. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to take a little bit more kind of maybe a little bit more one-on-one kind of 
captives, broad picture. Um, that one's a little bit trickier. I think for me, it depends on what was the reasoning. Jonathan, you are all over uh, these Facebook instructor groups and director groups. So what are you seeing that's different now? Or what's something that you see come up over and over that people are asking about? Uh, so what I see a lot of now, and and I think it's a really good thing, it's just we have to sort of be mindful that all of society isn't quite there yet. You know, I see a lot of directors, especially younger directors, having some issues in their program with kids who, you know, don't identify in the traditional binary sense. Um, mm. And obviously, like, we all want to support those kids. Like, no question that, you know, respecting those kids' personalities, their identity, super important. You know, as I'm sure we've all seen in the news, though, not every community, not every school district, not every is on board with that right now. And so just, you know, when people ask, you'll see people ask the question, and I think it's a great question for people to ask. And you'll have some folks who very well-intentioned come on, like, you must, you know, respect the child's blah, blah, and all this stuff. And like, I love that mindset, but you just got to toe that line because, you know, when you're, when you're born male student now identifies as a female and wants to wear the dress in halftime, I'm all for that. I love that. But if you're principal and if that kid's parents aren't all for that, you're going to be in the office right. tomorrow. Right. And it's, it's a super horrible position for us to be in. Um, but I feel like at times we sort of have to taper our desire to do what's right for the kid with making sure that we're going to be in front of those kids the next day. And, you know, when I see this question, about it, my, my answer is always just you got to talk to your administrators. You got to right. see what the expectation is there and just lay that out and make sure you've got support and that they know what's up and – you know, hopefully they do the right thing. Hopefully you can educate them and advocate for that kid. Like I'm certainly not suggesting anybody should just throw their hands up and say, sorry, kid, your principal doesn't like it. But, right. you know, unfortunately, it's just not as easy as we would all like it to be. And I've seen a lot of that coming up, you know, nowadays with some of these questions and costuming and makeup and, you know, kids being more comfortable being their true self. And it just it's unfortunate they the question even has to be asked, but it's not quite as easy as some of us would like it to be. I think you made a great point, though, about towing the line, because really, in a lot of these situations, our staff and, and the people who are in the marching band are the ones who are the transition person between, you know, maybe a really traditional family and then this student who is not traditional or who wants to, you know, maybe break through some of the societal pressures or some of the family pressures or something that's going on. Um I, I know like it, it sounds insane, but like even here where I live, like they, some families have a really hard time with their daughters wearing too much makeup, which is mm -hmm. like, like you would think, oh, we're a traditional area. There's a lot of conservatives here. And like, that's, but like women wearing makeup should be no, no, no big deal because that's what they do in society. But even here, it's so traditional that like to be able to have students allowed to wear makeup is a huge deal like even if they're female and so for us to be you know going back and forth and dealing with all of these um students that are trans or that are that i mean maybe they're they're trans maybe they're experimenting with the idea of it or whatever we really have to be delicate to those things i think and you really have to understand that you are the mediator in between yeah, I had a student come up to me once at one of my programs and I felt really bad for the kid because, you know, I always ask the kids, like, if you have a nickname, you know, like my name's Jonathan, I don't go by John, but if I did, like, I would like my instructor to know that. So I always ask my kids that question. I had to kick him up and say, I go by X unless my parents are around, 
then I need to use my birth name. Mm. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And like, it's just like, you know, because we print, you know, kids' names on the back of T-shirts, you know, we announce, you know, right. we put up an Instagram post when the kids make the varsity or JV team in the winter. And it's like, I've got to sort of not respect this kid's true wishes because this kid's worried about what's going to happen at home if yeah. their parents know that this is who they are. And it's just super, it's kind of heartbreaking to hear about, you know, kids in that situation. You know, I know I have friends teaching down in Florida or working down in Florida. There are communities in Florida uh-huh. where schools have like passed laws that or communities have passed laws where you cannot call a child anything other than their mm. full biological first name. Like, right. so I can't even go by John in some schools in Florida. And obviously it's a, you know, it's a front to block out any sort of respect right. for different identities, but it's just crazy. I, I think too, it, it could be a good motivator for students to learn about the legal system, maybe in that sort of situation. Like maybe those students will say, you know what, this is so unfair. And maybe they can be the ones who will learn about it and understand it and go make those changes, you know, as they move through the system. And, and, you know, I feel like we're, we've got to do the best that we can now for who we have so that they can continue to make it better as they go through too. That's my hope. Anyways. Uh, another question we've gotten is what is the one thing you wish you knew when you first started teaching that would have helped you in this time of year? I don't really know if this is something that would um, help me necessarily this time of year, but it's always good advice. Um, when I first took over at Northern Valley, which was a long time ago, um, I came in with a very traditional drum corps, winter guard type mentality. And I was also a lot younger and marching at the same time. So I was exposed to a lot of different instructors and things like that. Um, So when I first took over this program, I was very gung-ho, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. Mm -hmm. At the time, Northern Valley wasn't what it is now. It was a very football game, marching band. It wasn't super competitive. and I think I came in a little bit too hard and um, I didn't know that. And I was so, you know, gung ho and, you know, kind of a little bit pushy that I never really thought to ask, but um, I would, you know, do like a drum corps warm up, like, okay, it's a, we're at a football game and, you know, rehearsing oh like right until like the second we're going to march out onto the field. And I had no idea that it was a little tradition there that the captains kind of did that. It was like a big thing that the captain kind of runs the pregame warm up, And I didn't know that. And I think she was afraid to tell me that because the drill guy who was the one who hired me and, you know, was a drum corps person or whatever. He pulled me aside one day and said, look, I get it. I know how, I know how you are. We do this. You know, we've been doing this a long time. You know, I get it. You want to, you want to, warm up like as they're marching onto the field he goes but she's a little upset because it's always been a tradition and she feels like now because it's a new instructor that's being taken away from her and I just never thought to ask and I think kind of asking the kids and checking in with the kids and taking you know taking the temperature I think is really important I love that I think that's so important and coming as a young instructor coming in right off of drum corps I see this happen all the time. I, it happened to me. I did it. Like it, you just come in and you're all gung ho and you're like, yeah, I know how to make this program successful. And it's like, well, what you really have to go back and think, what does this particular program want to, or need to be successful at? 
Exactly. And a lot of times when you're working with a high school band, it's not necessarily going out there and winning all of the shiny plastic trophies. What about you, Jonathan? What is something you wish you knew when you started? I think honestly, you know, it's very similar is just understanding that like, you know, you come in, especially come off drum corps, you come into band camp, like you've been off drum corps for maybe like an hour. And so you're still a hundred percent mindset and you get these like 14 year olds and you're like, okay, we're going to be the Cavaliers today. And that's just not what they need to be um, or want to be or should be. And you just understanding like the whole program, the whole kid, the role of the program in the kid's life, the role of the pro the kid in the program and you know, how to make the activity fun. Even if sometimes you know, that's at the expense of, you know, getting that last rep in there or whatnot. And, you know, I think, a lot of young instructors, you know, myself included, have to sort of mature into that understanding. Or maybe we just get too old to keep fighting the battle and we give up. But um, somehow we end up, you know, figuring it out. Uh, for me, as a color guard instructor, I wish, and I did actually learn this the first couple of years I started teaching, I wish I knew how to read music before becoming a guard oh instructor. Oh my gosh, it's so and- true. The number of guard instructors, the number of guard people, performers who are like, I want to learn, I want to be a teacher. And I'm like, okay, can you read music? And they go, no, what would I need to do that for? And I am telling you, it totally changed my abilities just with that small skill. I never learned how to read music. I didn't learn how to play an instrument going all the way through school. And I didn't, you know, we didn't look at the, at the uh, reference we didn't reference any of the scores or anything because why would we need to do that? We had recordings at this point. We had cassette tapes we could just play. So uh, that would be my advice to any guard instructors as you're starting out. Learn how to read music. If you're a guard performer, I know you're not performing, playing the music on an instrument. Learn how to read the music anyways, because it is so, so helpful. We're starting at letter A. What page is that, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. God always has yes. to know what page in the drill that is. <laughs> is that the part where we toss or is that the part where we catch? Right. <laughs> okay, let's go off to our gush and goes for the week. Uh, Trish, do you want to start us off? Sure. Well, it's an exciting week in the Valley. It is the week of our home show. And we're de- debuting our show called Cathedral. Um, unfortunately it looks like we'll be debuting our show in the downpouring rain, but what's I'm really praying and hoping that the show goes off well, because in addition to debuting our show, which I'm super excited about, we also have started this little tradition since we started the winter guard in 2016 at the home show, we have a little winter guard recruiting table and we drop little hints as to what, the show's going to be this year. So we might have like, um, so last year we did the moon and beam show. So we kind of went to party city and bought all little like table decorations about, we don't want to tell them what it is exactly, but we want them to guess in a way that they might get it. Um, so we bought like little, the only thing we could find in party city related to like moonlight Sonata and the moon and the moon beams was kind of like, 
astronauty type stuff. So to hear their guesses is so much fun and so exciting. I always record it every year. Are we aliens? Are we space? Are we are we astronauts? Are we? And it's so much fun. And I started putting putting it together tonight. Um, I can't tell you what it is because then one of the kids might hear it. They'll find out at the information <laughs> meeting in October. But I'm really hoping everything goes well this weekend. It's supposed to downpour rain. But keep your fingers crossed for us. And I'll let you know how it all goes. Jonathan, what do you want to gush and go on about? You know, actually, we're in the exact same boat. We host our home contest here at Hamilton on the 30th. So we're in like that crazy panic mode that I described before. We're right there with everybody else. Um, <laughs> We have to get our closer on the field because if you don't have six minutes in Ohio, your score is penalized an entire box. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So we've got a little bit of a number crunch to do there. But, you know, the kids are working hard. But we um, to help motivate them, I told the, the kids that we'll do a full winter show reveal the following Monday for them if they can get all that done and, and score in the range that we traditionally score in. So, you know, I'm sort of excited to talk about it. we do the I post hints on their Instagram, the guards Instagram account. And let them guess, and some of their their guesses are uh, quite out there. Uh, I think we had we had a good week where the kids thought the show was about reelecting Donald Trump as president. Um, <laughs> oh, we had a picture goodness. of somebody handcuffs as one of the clues, and a picture of a treasure chest as another clue. And somehow that I mean, I guess I can see how the first picture got him there, but somehow that got him to that conclusion. And you know, I think they'll be quite surprised when they hear what it actually is. But we're excited. All right, Stephen, what do you want to gush and go on about this week? I will gush and go on about United Percussion. I've been keeping this close to my heart because I didn't know if the news was public yet. Um, I still don't know if we've technically updated the battery staff page, um, but I will be teaching the bass drums at United this year. We had our first audition this last Sunday. We had 28 bass drummers show up, which is incredible. Whoa. I remember when I first auditioned for United at 2017, uh, there were six of us for five bass drum spots. And this year, there were 28 for two. So that's insane. That is crazy. Yeah, so... I will have to keep kind of my lips sealed a little bit to an extent as we go through the season. I'm sure I won't be able to just be telling all on here, but uh, I'm excited to be a part of that. And I'm excited to be able to tell you guys about how it goes. I want to gush because I'm excited to get back to judging this year. I love, love, love this time of year. I get to travel around and go judge color guards at different contests. And um, I actually, for the first time ever in my history of judging, had to go back to a contest I agreed to do and tell them I couldn't do it. And it's because I couldn't find childcare. And I've oh. never had to do this. It was so heartbreaking. But I did find them someone who could potentially be my replacement. So at least I did that much. But I just felt it was heartbreaking to me. I was like, this is not how I want to run my business. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I... Yeah, and Jeremy's telling me he's available every weekend, but the weekend I need you, of course. <laughs> Isn't that how that goes? <laughs> I'll fly you in to take care of my child while I judge a, judge a competition, though. <laughs> All right, you guys, get back out on the field, and uh, we'll do some. We'll we'll be nice and fill your water bottles for you. 
Hey, this is Christine Ream and Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. All right, welcome back to the sidelines, guys. Make sure you've got your water bottles. That was a good chunk, but uh, we're definitely going to run it again after this water break is over. Oh, hey, there's Tom. He just rolled up on the back sideline, and it looks like, ah, oh, yes, he has got Dorothea Taylor. Hi. Social media drumming sensation with him. Let's go talk to them. And we're going to start off with our favorite tradition, our favorite way to bring new guests onto the show, and that is by doing your 32-count life story. So I'll give you eight on the Met, and then you have about 30 seconds to tell us everything that's happened in your life from birth until now. You think you got it? Oh, I'll try. Piece of cake. <laughs> Basically, I mean, it's only been like 30 years, right? So that should be no uh, problem. Plus 30. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. On the Met. Okay, so I started playing drums when I was in eighth grade. I joined the Drum and Bugle Corps. We had one in my hometown, and I could hear them practicing from my home. And I joined not knowing whether they would take girls or not, and it ended up. I marched with them for six years. And then I graduated high school and got in a band and have been playing in several bands through through the years. I've been a in, in drum instructor for uh, local schools and I got to play on the Jimmy Fallon show. <laughs> Whoa, that's amazing. All right, so many questions. And this is my favorite part because we're talking drums now. My language. <laughs> you speak of my language, Dorothea. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned, let's let's start what everyone wants to know. You marched six years in which drum corps was that in? That was well, going to be my first question. <laughs> they were called the Blue Notes. The Blue and it was Notes. from a very small corps. And this was in 19... 63 64 that I that I joined and it was not called DCI yet. Yeah, right. We're we're talking uh what? VFW championship still? Uh an American Legion, I believe. We were okay. sponsored by the American Legion. We even rehearsed in the American Legion building. So but we marched alongside, but we were like I think class A was like the Racine Scouts and I mean the Madison Scouts and Racine Kilties and the Troopers and Chicago Cavaliers and stuff like that. 
they were in, I'll say class A, and we were underneath them because, you know, we were small and from a small city. But we were in the same shows. We were just, you know, probably at a different time slot than, than they were. So we got to do In the Lot. And with the Cavies showed us how to play uh, those fast flams that I've, I learned. So I learned those fast flams way back. So right. it was just a fantastic experience being able to travel in the buses. And we were gone, you know, basically the whole summer. We'd come home and change clothes, you know, wash our clothes, wash our uniforms, <laughs> and then get in the bus again on maybe Thursday or Friday and get home in the middle of the night sometime, you know, after Sunday, after right. Sunday's last performance. So, Yeah, yeah, that was when days when there was a lot of local shows, a lot yes, of local everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right, right. We so- played parades in the afternoon, and then we did a, a drum corps show. Whatever right. city double we were duty. in, yeah, yep. double duty. I remember. I didn't do much of that, but I, I my parents were were in that as well. Uh, they were okay. talking about doing a parade in the afternoon and then going and do a show at night. Mm-hmm. Gee whiz, that does not sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it, you know, just with fond memories. Yeah, at the time, it's a different take than when you look back at it and think oh, that was a lot of miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I think my first taste of you was during the pandemic, I think, on TikTok. Uh Uh-huh. Is where I first came across you, um, and you were playing some flams. I think um, Danny's Combos or something like that on a drum pad in your kitchen. Yep. And and from there, I think you kind of just exploded there. It just went crazy. That was when, you know, TikTok was really getting really popular right and right yeah my my little grandson he was well he's 14 now so he what was he 11 or 12 yeah and he said grandma uh you should do a video and put it on tiktok and see what happens and i said <laughs> and i had already done some things on youtube right for did several you years. anything to blow up like that it oh did? no no and it had it got more than a million views, I think, within twenty four hours. Yeah, it was, was insane. Say, I remember I coming across it, it and thinking, yeah. "Wow, who is this woman? She's got like a million views already." Yeah. Now it has that same video has forty six million. That does not it's surprise insane. me. It's <laughs> insane, and you know, and it's done so much for the activity. It, uh, it really has. It, it really has. It's boosted a lot of female. Like today at rehearsal at my band rehearsal. I said, hey, uh, I got to leave a few minutes early, drumline, but I, I got a good reason why. Let me tell you. Do you guys know of a woman named Dorothea? She was a drummer on TikTok, and one kid yells out, she was on Jimmy Fallon. And yeah. I said, yeah, well, I got to leave early because I'm going to go interview her on a podcast. And they were so jealous. <laughs> but they don't know who Nick Angelus is or Tom Hannum. But they know you. Oh. You are famous, and you've done so much for, for female percussion. And just for yes. for opening up drumming for all ages, I think. I yeah, it's been crazy, but uh, I kind of agree. Just because uh, there's a, a group on Facebook called Drummer Girls United, yeah. And Tammy, I think her last name is Woods, something Woods. She is the one who started it, and you know she 
might have had barely 100 girls or ladies when she first started it. And yeah. now she tells me it's like over 7,000. But it's yeah. not, they're not professional drummers, but they're ladies right. who, yeah. who thought that they couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's, a, there's a clinic that tours now yeah. uh, for marching drums, and it's just all about girls uh, and female educators teaching the girls. It's, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, but truly, you got to play with Quest Love. I know. How <laughs> rad was that? <laughs> right? I had no idea. Um, <laughs> you know what? They, they text me. They messaged me on, on uh, Instagram and said, uh, this is so-and-so. She was like a talent scout. And Did you think it was a joke at first? Like, oh, at that's first, yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a spam to me. <laughs> totally. At, at first, but then I could tell kind of by the conversation. I answered that one text, and then I got another one back. And she said, "You know, she's with the Tonight Show, and uh, <laughs> we're having a a grandma thing, and we'd love for you to come." And it's like next week. I think they called me on Thursday, and I had to be there Monday. Oh so gosh. it wasn't like a whole lot of time. But then when I got there, that's when we came up with with uh, the drum battle with with Chris. Yeah, that was so sweet. I was uh, I was like gleaming with joy. I was like, I can't imagine how <laughs> happy this person is right now. So yeah. when you got there, how did how did things kind of roll with being on Jimmy Fallon? Did they like like what? What preparation did they give you? How did all that sort of look? Kind of walk us through that. Well, I got there and walked in the hall. A girl met us down downstairs, uh, you know, right on whatever big street that is in New York. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Took us up to the floors there in that NBC building and walked down the hall to my green room. And as I'm walking <laughs> down, I'm passing the guy's from the Chili Peppers, I'm seeing Chad Smith putting his drums in his road cases. Holy heartbeats. I know. They had, uh, they had just recorded some, uh, a, a feature. And so they were through. And so they were packing up. And so I'm walking by the Red Hot Chili Peppers to my little green room. And so I stayed in there for, it felt like forever before they came back and told me, you know, uh, we're going to take you out on the stage, show you, you know, how to get out there. And then, uh, so when I did go out there, it was about three in the afternoon. And there was a guy just with his notebook pretending like he was Jimmy. And Jimmy's going to say this. And you can you right. can answer this and blah 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 and these are your drums. They pulled them out. They had put them together, but they weren't tuned. And so I jumped up on that stand and hit them. And I said, "Oh, oh my goodness! Can I tune these?" And they did were you like, get to keep those? No, I wish I did because I love that. Ludwig color. didn't let you keep those. Oh, no. come on, Ludwig! Shame on you. So they were brand new out of the box. So I got to sit and and tune them. And then when I listened back after, you know, that it was over and I could hear the show, I was like, 
those things sound good. I did a good job. Yeah, yeah. It was all great. It, yeah, it turned out Always wonderful. good to know your professional skills were <laughs> well used. I had no idea what I was really going to play. They said, okay, well, you can play something, and then Jimmy will make a comment, and then he'll ask you to play something else. And then if you want to do uh, – would you like to do a drum battle with Questlove? I'm like – what okay what whatever <laughs> so it, it just went boom 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 that fast and the funny thing was as soon as my feature was over they took us took me out the side door my husband was in the audience we went back to the green room got our suitcases and they took us downstairs to the limo the limo took us back to newark to the airport in Newark. Whoa. We and ate that's dinner. it, huh? Boom, boom, boom. We ate dinner, got on the plane, flew home to Myrtle Beach, got <laughs> our luggage, had to wait for the luggage to come through, got our luggage, got home at 20, I think it was 23 minutes after 11, went to the bathroom, came back in the living room, turned the Tonight Show on, and <laughs> there I was. Wow. <laughs> Guess to see That's your amazing. Show. That was so weird. That's like we awesome. were just there and we're home right now. <laughs> yeah, talk about surreal. Wow. Yeah. All right. Was. So that's that's pretty exciting. So you, you marched six years of drum corps. What did you take out of that into the real world and what have you used in that, well, you know, over your life to get where you are now? I think just the one word called discipline. Good word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Discipline in yourself and, and spending time and practicing. Like I have, I've had so many students over the years and a lot of them, they don't practice from one lesson to the next. And you know, it shows. I can't argue that. I just yelled at my kids tonight about, I don't believe the quality of practice we're doing at home is uh, nope. what we need it to be. You know, so no. uh, have you followed drum corps still today? Do you, do you keep up on indoor drum line? Uh, right up until like last year, I didn't really do much. And this year, I don't know why, but I just, I didn't keep up with it at all. Yeah, that happens, you know. Well, I now. used to be able to get it, like you could watch it on your phone and, and all, and mm. then they started making Oh, right, right, yeah, it's on slow to, now, yeah. Yeah, and so I it just kind of lost it, but. So how uh, do you feel not, about the way it's like progressed and how shows are the way that they are Yeah, now I mean, you know, it's, where it's, you it's started with a sling and a drum to <laughs> – yeah, uh, we have it's, three semis and a sound system now. I you know. know, I don't. I'm not really into that sound system thing as much. I I kind of liked the more military style. Yeah, and more disciplined style than yeah. than all the show part of it now. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, looking back on your your marching activity. What what do you think is the your most fondest memory of of that that moment in your life of marching? Uh, I guess just meeting in the lot with uh, the big the big guys, you know, like the cavies and all, and yeah. and 
just learning from them when they were in the lot and they would spend time too. They would stop and, and yeah, talk with us. And that's and cool. This, you, you realize, Hey, they're not anybody different than me. Yeah. But see, we didn't even have drum instructors. Right. We were just, really? yeah, we, we had no drum instructors. It was the oldest guy on the line that, was, yeah, there was a lot of self-taught programs back in the 50s, oh 60s, gosh. and still into the early 70s. Uh, yeah. You didn't really start seeing staffing come along until the probably early 80s. Okay. Yeah, we had nobody. Um, and nowadays, so, there's like eight snare techs. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And that's why they're so good. Everything's just so... There's constantly somebody clean. in front of them, yeah. 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 So does the drum world have the same issue that the color guard world has where every single move has about 10 different names, depending on where you come from? Probably some of the rudiments, drum rudiments are like the hybrids, especially. Yeah. Uh, I, I the hybrids would, have different names. Yeah. Probably till about 10 years ago, there was a pretty good lockdown on what everything was called, but mm -hmm. people are making stuff up so much nowadays i don't yeah. even know what the most current names for things I know, are i know i had to google um <laughs> uh, hybrids the other day for a student and all yeah. kinds of things <laughs> so i i saw that there were there were names that i had not on my list of of hybrids so they're they're coming out with more and, and changing them up just a little bit well, I think it's totally cool. You're still, you're still banging on the drums and uh, you're playing kit. We all see that. You know, that's awesome. Uh, and you still chop out on the pad in the kitchen. I think that's every, every, drummer's, every drummer's favorite spot is the yeah. breakfast nook in the kitchen. Yep. It's every like day I do you know, it. It's a snare drummer thing. You're in charge of everything right there. You, got, you can see the living room, the kitchen. You're monitoring everything. That's right. That's the snare right. drum ego we have. Uh, <laughs> I got to be in charge of everything. Give me my own house, right? Yep. <laughs> Very cool. I well, usually so, have a pad on the counter. That's so <laughs> awesome. Like, you know, my husband comes in and sits down and fakes himself a sandwich or whatever, and he has to push my sticks and my pad over. <laughs> but it, it's a normal room. thing, you know, it's, it's, it's just become part of your life and, and, and the way you guys do life. And that's, that's so awesome. What's yep. next? Where are we going to see you next? Uh, touring with billy joel what, what can we expect for dorothea <laughs> taylor next no i wish no Just, billy uh, joel you hear that she wishes she could go on tour with you <laughs> i may go back to drumeo in the spring i may i was supposed to go this spring but i had some surgery and i just wasn't ready to travel and well, so if, if the folks at Pasic are listening you should get Dorothea to come and play some drum set for the young folks next year. Well, Listen up. <laughs> uh, I did do last year, I did, uh, you had to fill in mm. like an application. I didn't do it on my own. Somebody made me fill that. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Kelly Peisty from, you know, Peisty Symbols. Yeah. And, but, uh, they already had their slots filled, but I would rather not do it. I'd rather just go to PASIC and, and listen to all the really cool drummers that are there already. Well, you would be one of them for sure. You, yeah. you, you uh, really have demonstrated that, you know, over time, 
uh, you know, it's not how much you drum. It's just, you know, the quality time you put in. You've shown a yeah. lot of young ladies uh, and females that, you know, it doesn't matter what the age is. You can do this from this age to this age. And and I thank you for that uh, uh, blowing up on TikTok. Um, I love that my students know who you are. <laughs> I think that's super cool. Thank you. For the very, very few of our listeners who don't follow you on TikTok, where can they find you? What's your uh, what's your TikTok handle? Yeah, so TikTok and Instagram are both the same. It's just okay. Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, dot Dorothea, D-O-R-O-T-H-E-A, all lowercase. Perfect. Yeah, I'm already following you. We actually, I don't know if you realize this, but we actually had had a conversation in the comments one day. Just, I think I asked you where you marched or something. And we kind of talked back and forth a little bit about that. Okay. (laughs) I have so many comments. I try to answer most all of the questions. I bet it just becomes impossible at some point, huh? Yeah. But they really appreciate the answer back. And and a lot of them will say, oh my God, you really answered. They yeah. do. It's like waiting for snail mail. We love when we get it in the mailbox. We're all excited. Doesn't well, matter if it's you know, they took the time to message me, so right, I take sure. I try to take the time to answer them. Very so cool. has becoming a social media celebrity changed your life and getting on to Jimmy Fallon and everything else, <laughs> has this changed your life? Not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I would have to say, though, you've got to be a little at least more just, hey, this is pretty damn cool. You know, like, in your head, like you know, I, I've gone my whole life and done some great things, but I didn't have never got to join with Questlove. I know. <laughs> I but I got to, to do a drum battle with um, Nick Cannon, too. I actually yeah. did. I did his show before I did. Uh, oh, really? Jimmy's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did the same thing. They pulled out two drum sets and I played a little bit and he played a little bit and because he was in the movie Drumline, but Who I found better? out Who I found better? out quickly he doesn't know any rudiments. And he, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and he didn't even know how to hold his sticks. He said he hadn't picked up the sticks for since he made the movie like 21 yeah. years ago or something. Well, he didn't do any of the drumming in that movie, that's for sure. Nick, but yeah. you are getting called out so hard right now. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other podcast episode right there. <laughs> I think we're going to have to get him on here to talk about making Drumline the movie because he got some splaining to do. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Do you have time for one thing? Yeah, Absolutely. what do you want to share with our... With our audience. So, so when I was in Vancouver with Drumeo, making some more Drumeo videos, they wanted me to uh, critique the Drumline movie. So I was sitting on a chair and then there was like a screen there in front and they would play little segments. Well, I had my one of my friends go with me because I didn't want to go all the way to Vancouver by myself. And he was one of my former students. And so while I'm doing this and they're filming, he gets his phone out and he calls his friend who was the drummer. One of the drummers in it. Yeah. They used his hands. 
And oh, he was he, like Nick Cannon's like his stunt double drummer, his drum double. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he didn't realize that they were filming at that moment, and he walked in when I was sitting behind, you know, that little snare drum I think I had, and said, I have so-and-so on the phone. And as soon as he said that, the cameraman came zooming up to get into his phone and heard the boy say, yeah, uh, he was a stunt double for for, <laughs> for Nick Cannon. How cool. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny and it's pretty cool at the same time. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That's it, it just goes to show like keeping up with your passions that you have when you're young can really like it, it really that's the thing that takes you places in life. You know, a lot of times we're so focused on our careers throughout mm -hmm. school. We don't really, you know, and it's like, okay, we have our hobbies and they're there on the side, but really your hobbies could be the thing that actually like gets you out in the world and takes you to travel and takes you to yeah. meet cool people and I kind of have felt the same way about my experiences with having been in marching band and drum corps and color guard and everything I've done. So it's just amazing to see that you're still continuing to do that, even though you're like 30 years old now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's amazing that you can continue to do this your entire life. I Can well, I ask how old you are actually? Next month. Well, no, the end of November, I'm going to be 73. Congratulations. Oh God. I really would not have guessed that. I really I, oh, I might have guessed good. 63, maybe. But um, yeah. Wow. That's that so amazing. Awesome. So it's been a long time. It's been a long time. But I have so many uh, I teach virtually and I have so many ladies that did take band when they were in, say, middle school and maybe even quit sometime in high school. Right. And they wish that they hadn't. And so all those years of having a career and having children, and now they're getting back to what they've always loved, yeah. but, but just didn't do it. So I always tell people, don't quit. Don't quit completely. Keep yeah. your chops up. Even if it's just a pad, you if know, it's, if it's sure. the father of the family and you have you know, to work 50 hours a week and you have children you still can get a practice pad out just to keep your chops up. Yep. Yep. We spend so much time becoming great at something for a short period of time. Yeah. Don't not give do anything up. with it ever again. And especially if you're a drummer, you can drum on a pad anytime and be quiet. Yeah. A dancer performer, you know, you can spin and twirl. It's the horn players have it a little more difficult, but right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you you yeah. have legs and you have hands. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my kitchen is a ballet studio. You know that. <laughs> right? Oh, I would imagine so. Yeah, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. So I I just get upset when I hear so many people say. No, you know, I've touched them in over 30 years. 30 like, years. What? It's like, why? Why? Yeah. 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 I love when I can inspire somebody. And I'm sure you have. You have probably inspired a ton of people to pick up the sticks again. Mm -hmm. That's what it, they tell me. That's what that's, they tell that's me. That's like one of the best parts I think would be for me to hear someone go, oh, Dorothea, I picked up the sticks for the first time after 30 years. I would be like, hell yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> How has your yeah, clientele and your students changed over over the years, just maybe, maybe not even just since you've been famous on TikTok, but like 
over over all of your years teaching? Well, all of the the previous years up until the last four years were just you know young young school mm-hmm. students, but within uh, really since COVID, mm-hmm. they're uh, adults now. now. I only have one child right now. Oh no no, I start tomorrow. I start with my second child. All the rest are adults of various wow. ages. So that part has changed. Yeah, that's what I was curious about, because we're having sort of the same sort of trend here in like we we had this we had this competition team that was high school, mostly high school students, occasionally a middle school student, a college student here and there for like years and years and years over a decade. And then, you know, we got a whole group of adults in 2022 and had, you know, had to go and and become a world class guard because there was no other class for our team. So it's like this big shift after COVID to this older age group, um, really wanting to be a part of it. So I, I, I'm, I'm actually, it it makes me feel good that we're not the only ones experiencing that (laughs) on my spectrum in the color guard world. Well, good. And it's sad for, um, the students that are say high school students. Now they're not, I'm finding they're not, willing to spend that quality time practicing because they're on their phones. That's all they do. They yeah, spend it, on their phones. It's, it's been a struggle to not just get back to where we were prior to COVID, but to also build mm-hmm. where we were. Um, yeah. A lot of the kids music skills have um, definitely dropped off and, you know, yeah. behavior and all that kind of the stuff. Behavior has changed too isn't where it needs to be the manners and the, you know, common sense. Uh-huh. It has totally changed, with, but uh, it's definitely very, a me type of world we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. It's um, sad. I don't know if it'll slowly, ever change. Well, at least my programs, I'm starting to see the, the turnaround again and Good. starting to build again. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's there. It's just how much energy can us older folks put into it to bring mm-hmm. it back, you know? Uh, but yeah, well, a few more questions here and thoughts before okay. we go, Dorothea. Okay. Drum and Bugle Corps uh, has been around forever, it seems though, and we want to keep it that way. Uh, DCA, which is uh, the Senior Drum and Bugle Corps activity, has uh, decided to merge with, with DCI in, in, in the upcoming season oh. in efforts to help um, uh, build their, their growth again, all age. Oh, um, I think they're only down to like 10 or 12 all age drum corps, competitive all yeah. age drum corps now. And maybe five years ago, there was probably 20, 25. Oh, uh-huh. uh, uh, so it used to be two separate entities. You had DCA and DCI. Right. Now we're going to have DCI and DCA at one show. So earlier in the show, uh-huh. we'll have the uh, open class cores. And then we'll have the all age cores, and then we'll have the world cores. Uh, any thoughts on that? Because I mean, I know when you marched, well, shows were huge. It was like twenty plus yeah. cores at shows. Right, it was, it was. Yeah. But you just saying all of that. At least there, there are shows. Right, they're doing yeah. it. Right, yeah. yeah. I think it's wonderful. Now, my sister. She's six and a half years younger. So when I 
left the Corps because I got married young. I got married in ni- at 19, and I still had two more years. I'd yeah. marched six years, but I still had two more left. Wow. And so then she joined after I left home. And I don't know how many more years before the Corps. The Corps closed for some reason, like late 70s, I believe. But... Um, they started back with the senior corps. It was just called the senior corps. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't think they ever did competitions, but they were, they've always been there for festivals, right? parades and festivals in, in the county and, and even out of the county a little ways back out of Michigan into some into Wisconsin uh, for smaller type venues, uh, you know, festivals shows or whatever yeah, but i don't performances and stuff yeah i don't i don't know if they when they first started i don't know if they marched i know they did like a concert when you just get on the field and you're right, just in right. concert yeah, formation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i remember so that. she yeah. did that for several years but now the last two summers that we've been into in, michigan um you can see that it's dwindling, dwindling, dwindling. There's yeah. a lot of people in there that were in there when I was in there. So they're in their 70s and even older than me. Yeah. And they're yeah. still blowing their horns. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the, the troopers they don't just wanna, did a, they, an alumni They don't want to quit. Right. Yeah, the troopers just did an alumni corps for DCI. And I got to <laughs> say, there were some folks um, that were definitely older than you, Dorothea, in there. And that was very <laughs> exciting to see. Yeah, um, but they it, love it that much. They don't want to give it up. And, and it's amazing. That's so awesome. We thank you so much, Dorothea. Yeah. Uh, it's been awesome watching you explode on TikTok all the way to where you are now. Uh, well, thank what a cool, you. What a cool, exciting ride you've had. Jackie? All right. Let's go ahead and set it back up at the top of the same chunk, guys. We got to run that again. So we'll see you out there again. Thank you so much, Dorothea. Guys, go follow her at Taylor.Dorothea over on TikTok and Instagram. She is the amazing drumming grandma. And yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey friends, it's Cindy, or Leander Mama, as many of you know me, with your first Mama Minute of the 2023 marching season for the On a Water Break podcast. It feels so good to be back, and marching season is absolutely my favorite time of year. This past weekend, I was in Austin for the first Texas BOA regional of the season. And man, oh man, was it a hot one. And I'm not just talking about the temperatures. We had 28 fans competing here, including one former Grand National champion and seven other former Grand National finalists. And if that wasn't exciting enough for an already amazing contest, the high point of the day was when the Rouse High School Marching Band not only swept the Class 3A awards over Cedar Park and Leander in prelims, but then went on to take first place in finals over former Grand National Champion and current 6A UIL State Marching Champion, Vandegrift High School. Now don't think Vandegrift wasn't fantastic because they were. 
But Rouse has a special show this year, and they absolutely blew us away with their performance of Requiem. But watching the faces of the Rouse drum majors when they realized that they had just been crowned champions of what has often been called the most competitive BOA regional in the country was 100% the best part of the day. The crowd went crazy, and when the bands broke ranks, they all ran over and congratulated Rouse on their win, and they were all just so happy for them. It just really epitomized for me what it is that I love so much about high school marching band. There's just no other activity like it. In other marching band news, we also had contests in Las Cruces, New Mexico, Obets, Ohio, and a brand new regional took place in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We saw Ohio band Lakota West take their third regional win in Obets. Dallas area band Richland High School now boasts their first ever championship at the New Mexico Regional. And yet another newcomer to championship status, the Evansville North High School Band from Indiana took first place in Chattanooga. How exciting is it that we had three brand new regional champions last Saturday? 2023 is already looking like it will be a record-breaking season, and it's still just September. Well, that's all for my Mama Minute recap for this week. Stay tuned next time for more exciting marching band news as we head into another heavy competition weekend in Texas and Iowa. And be sure you are listening in two more weeks as I will be attending another regional live and in person, the brand spanking new BOA Memphis Regional. If you didn't know, Memphis is where I grew up and went to high school, and many of the bands who will be participating at BOA Memphis are very familiar to me. Lots of exciting things are coming up, so y'all be sure and stay tuned to our On a Water Break podcast. See you next time. That was a great rehearsal chunk, you guys. Now, we have this new little fun thing that I like to do to get to know our hosts a little bit more. And uh, Jonathan, since this is your first time joining in with us, I need to know this about you. What part of the marching band show are you? Hmm. I have to say the brass feature. Loud and annoying at times. <laughs> Especially if you're riding on the horn bus and you're a color guard girl and they won't stop singing it. <laughs> oh, God. That's its own circle of hell. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, now wait, let's wait, go wait. On what, to... uh, I want to. <laughs> what do you guys think would be worse? Being not a drummer and being on the percussion bus and having to listen to uh, a whole battery full of drummers just padding out all night long or being on the horn bus and, and having to listen to everybody just sing horn parts constantly? Oh, I think the drum bus, I think eventually the, I think those guys are going to keep on going. I think eventually the horn folks tend to sort of <laughs> voice or calm down. Absolutely. Or get to, You're right. Those You're right too. All the time. Well, yeah. There's one guy who's going to keep going and he's not yep. going to stop. And that's not going to be the case on the horn bus. Cause that would be weird if one guy just keeps singing trumpet parts, <laughs> but you will have one snare drummer who's not going to sleep and he's going to continue drumming. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, if somebody's going to keep singing after everyone else has stopped, it will be a trumpet. <laughs> yeah, it will be a trumpet. I wish it was a tuba, but it, it will be a trumpet. And about an octave higher than it needs to be. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I can say from experience, because I started off my first drum corps tour riding the percussion bus, and I fairly quickly started dating a, a horn player so I could move buses. Oh, um, yeah. It's like getting a green card, but in drum corps. <laughs> yes. A drum corps green card. I, I had to bribe the, the uh, drum major with Oreos. It was, oh, it was something. I tell you what. So I'm going to go ahead and start with my story today. Um, so Rice University uh, had a halftime show where they made some statements. And I say that with quotes about the new Houston Independent School District superintendent, their show, which consisted of a, I I kid you not, one of their students going around with a large prop that looked like a screw and knocking out other band members to a recording or it might've been a recording, might've been someone on a microphone. I, I, I missed that part. Um, of them just saying you're fired. <laughs> um, it was it was quite an interesting experience to watch. They definitely have a lot of opinions about this new superintendent and what happened whenever the uh, changeover of administration occurred recently. Um, have you guys seen it or heard anything about it? No, but I know exactly what I'm going to do after the call. Right. I gotta go check that out. Yes, definitely so, watch it. Oh, uh, you should be able to find it. Look up Rice Band Halftime Show Houston uh, ISD Superintendent. I mean, and this really this really brings up the question, like, what kind of a show goes too far? I, I, I'd be interested to know what the administration and the community's reaction is to this. Because, I mean, if it were me... As the super, the new superintendent just coming in, that would, like, that's one of your employees that is basically causing students to uh, question authority, not just question authority, but like really insult authority. It was, it was quite a, quite a statement in their show. Yeah, and they're using the the platform of the ensemble, so like, they're speaking on behalf of the high school. <laughs> That's a uh, that's bold. That's uh, most definitely uh, <laughs> a bold maneuver. Let's see. Um, it looks like we might have a statement here. It says uh, our script producers have friends and acquaintances both as HISD teachers and as parents of students, and they had been outspoken about their feelings. Chuck Throckmorton, the director of bands at Rice, said of how the student-produced and student-performed show came out. So I didn't realize that. That's kind of interesting that it's student-produced as, uh, as yeah, well as I performed. Yeah, I didn't realize that from just from watching it either. Yeah. Um, it was also just too delicious a coincidence to miss that the Austin Powers movie star Mike Myers and Mike Miles was just way too close of a name to use as Dr. Evil. So I guess that makes sense. Maybe it wasn't like it was a school district employee really like 
designing it, but also he oversees the program. Well, this right. wasn't even the school district, right? This was Rice University, so it wasn't even oh, Rice West. University. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the actual. It was the university and talking about the Houston school district, the the pub, the high public high school. So. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He goes yeah. So on, it's not the same entity, right? Uh, he goes on to say that he uh, he approves the scripts. So the band director does approve the scripts before they perform anything. Um, but basically, his his stance is: I always ask, first of all, are they saying anything false? Mm-hmm. Second, are they dealing with a public figure or someone who deserves anonymity? The anonymity. <laughs> I can't even say that right now. Um, and then finally, are they punching down or speaking truth to power? And he said he thinks that the students met all of those tests and they they went they went for it. Like, whew. Well, it's quite a I, kinda, I like that. Then that's kind of cool. That's uh, I still would be uh, interested to see the hear the reactions of the. Uh, the administration there because that's it's just quite a statement yeah you're certainly not building any bridges between the uh, high school and the university if uh, <laughs> that's a concern <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely and and like there was the uh the administration did say that they didn't they they did say they approached the administration and they had no comment about the whole situation so certainly yeah hmm. i don't know I don't know. It's it'd be interesting to know. I, maybe they laughed about it. Maybe they said, "Ha, huh, okay, that's basically what happened in the student's perspective." With the nut in a nutshell, uh, Jonathan, let's put you on the spot with our next news story. What you got? Um, okay, so this one's not quite as fun, but um, yeah, I think a lot of people are hearing just sort of coming out just now. There was a, a really horrific bus crash. Um, dealing with a high school marching band trying to travel from Long Island to it looks like a band camp out in Pennsylvania. And on their way out there um, on a highway in New York, the bus lost control and sort of tumbled down um, the side of the hill and rolled over. Um, you know, unfortunately, it resulted in at least two folks passing away so far. Uh, fortunately, I mean, not that there's anything fortunate about this, but it doesn't sound like any of the kids were, were killed in there. It looks like they lost their band director and another adult who may have been a chaperone or, you know, the, the affiliation isn't quite clear, but it sounds like maybe a chaperone or something or a staff member. There's a half a dozen or so kids in critical condition. It looks like they're reporting, you know, so just a really, I mean, every one of us is a parent, a director or whatever, like the thing we worry most about is, you know, is happening to this band out in New York on their way to their camp. And you're sort of the insult to injury they're gearing up for i think their homecoming week and their spirit week this week so you know it's supposed to be a real happy week the first week of october and you know unfortunately these kids in this community it's uh the farmingdale farmingdale school district are just gonna have this huge cloud sitting over them for a long time with you know the loss of these folks and the injuries that are coming out and it's just terrible i mean there doesn't sound like there's anything nefarious or suspicious going on it just sounds like you're running the mill accident that just happened to have really really dire consequences being in yeah. up here in north jersey where i live we're not terribly far from long island and i just from scrolling through social media i do know a few people that did know that band director and they're just writing really lovely things about her really wonderful things um apparently she was you know, really outgoing and she would wear like funny wigs at rehearsals. And the one woman who posted about her 
um, had said that she had met her and yeah, at one point, you know, I don't know how long ago, um, and was interested in helping out with the band and the band was like, you're coming to camp. And she was like, I, I'm not going to be able to get that time off. And she was like, no, you know, you don't understand. You're coming to camp. So she seemed to be a really outgoing, fun-loving band director that would, you know, do fun and goofy things for the kids. And just, it's just so sad. It always seems like it's those people, right? And it's just, it's so sad. And I can't even imagine. I mean, we're all in the middle of our marching band seasons now. And having something like, I, I, I couldn't even imagine how we would all deal and go on and whatever that would look like. I was saying, just imagine him and trying to imagine showing up to band practice the next day with a substitute or an assistant director because of something like that, or having oh. three holes next to you in the drill. Oh. You know, drill doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but just knowing that your friends aren't there, I just I can't imagine. Right. That's Did tragic. the article say anything about uh, it, the person? The other person that passed was it the bus driver? Maybe. It said the article that I have just says the affiliation with the school was not immediately clear. Okay. I, I just, the last two banned bus wrecks that I have heard about um, in the last few years, the bus driver passed away in both of them. And, and it just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bus driver too. And so it's like, you know, you want to go out and you want to do your part and volunteer for different groups and help the bands and go drive for cores and stuff like that when you have your, when you have your license. And it's like, it's, it is it's a risk. You're always mm-hmm. taking a risk when you get out on the road and when you're responsible for other people's lives. That's yeah, so they said, you know, the driver was properly licensed. The bus passed its inspections. I mean, it was just so far, it just sounds like, you know, that thing that could happen to any of us trying to drive something like that. And yeah, terrible. it is hard. Well, speaking of drum cores, Steven has his news story for us tonight. Yes, I do. So we had our, uh, well, not we, none of us are involved, but <laughs> Vanguard uh, Vanguard Music and Performing Arts had their board meeting recently where the CEO, Russ Gavin, was able to give a lot of updates about Vanguard coming back. Uh, so supposedly they are in compliance to be running. Uh, they state that their 1031, so some of the tax forms for 2019 and 2020 have both been filed now. Um they also state that Vanguard has $600,000 in savings for running services, and they have also been given forgiveness for their loans. So if somebody from Vanguard could tell Stephen, me, how to get forgiveness for my loans, that would be very nice. Hey, you can contact me loans. online at On a Water Break. And uh, <laughs> um, Anyway, though, they confirm that uh, Vanguard will be performing as non-member core, uh, performing as a first-year core, which I'm not really sure what that means. Um, is that a different thing in how they are being judged and competing? Um, I'm not sure if anyone can shed light on that. that they go on early. Yeah, they go on first. Oh, they go on so first. They have to go on first because they're, they're, they're a quote-unquote new core. Okay, right. Well, that makes sense because it says they will be able to reapply for membership by September of 2024, most likely. Uh, So they'll be the first world-class core that goes on up until San Antonio. Wow. 
that is the interesting thing we don't always like think about with you know because with our local circuits uh with winter garden things like that there's there's like membership options and non-member options and it's like if you're a full member you can go to so many contests and if you're not a member you can only go to like one or two contests or something like that and then um you don't really think about that, but really it applies on a national level to all of these different organizations all the way up. And it, it makes sense that this is the path that they're choosing, I think, to get back yeah. involved. They have logistics and bylaws and turns out there is a process for how a group would re-enter into competition. And it's, it's not just, okay, you get to come back and be Vanguard right. and go on at the end of the show again. I'm sure they will probably after San Antonio, they'll probably have earned it because I'm sure they're going to come back and be good. I actually have some stats uh, regarding that type of stuff. They had a, they expect over a thousand people at least have filled out interest forms for membership. Uh, 600 of those came in uh, within the first 24 hours. Oh my gosh. Opening up their, uh, their facilities again. Um, Design and management staff, mostly all returning. Instructional staff, mostly all returning. And uh, looks like they'll be getting Facebook groups uh, as well as other audition information going live this weekend. So most everything is back. Uh, I guess they wrap up this article saying that uh, they have plans to execute the tour. Quote, they have backstops to their backstops. Um, They're not going into this haphazardly. But plan A is going well, is what they say. So seems as though there are cool heads prevailing over there. They're doing good planning, and, and hopefully they're able to just see this one logistically through all the way to the goal line, uh, if you will. That's good, because there was definitely some uh, media sources trying to start some stuff the last, there were. Know, the last week or so. <laughs> trying to point out oh they don't have this file and they don't have that file and i know we were kind of talking about it in our own group chat with our our uh, hosts here and you know there's just there's so much when you're running a not-for-profit organization there's there's so many not-for-profits that are young that are you know run by volunteers that are you know and and the government agencies have like in they have stuff in place for that you know and they're they're used to dealing with that sort of thing and so whenever larger more experienced non-for-profits mess up it's not the end of the world because they can kind of backtrack and say okay we need to relearn this and like they're able to do that and also it takes so much time to file all this stuff so you know i could file something in like march and not hear anything about it until you know, October sometimes, like it just depends on your fiscal year and all that stuff. Yeah. It's kind of funny, all the different news articles and stuff that came out where it almost seems like people didn't want Vanguard to succeed at returning in some way. Like I know everyone does want them back, but the way people were covering the story, everyone was like, well, what about this and that and this and that? And like, yes, I agree, because it'd be really irresponsible to put a drum corps out there that wasn't prepared to conduct the season. But I mean, from what we from the information we can gather, I mean, we certainly are being as on the beat of this as we can. I at least think it seems like they're just taking the right steps to be able to bring the group back. So hopefully we see it go well. 
All right, Jonathan, you've got another very interesting and different kind of story for us with this news article today. Yeah, this one, uh, you don't hear about something like this every day. And, um, you know, it's a little hard to understand exactly what's going on because you've got different sides reporting different, you know, chains of events and whatnot. But a high school band director in Alabama was shocked to hear that his performance time was over too soon. Um, when the police tased him <laughs> to get him to end said performance. Um, oh my goodness. Really, the, <laughs> the away band director, they were playing a piece maybe with the other band or after the other band after the game. And the police that were, I, you know, assumedly on duty to help, you know, provide security for the game decided that the band was in the way or needed to clear space so that folks could exit the stadium. And, you know, this is where the different differing events ensue. The police say that uh, the band director shoved the police officer when the officer approached him and asked him to uh, shut, you know, shut the performance down. The attorney for the band director says that's complete nonsense. Didn't happen. Um, everything I've seen describing body cam footage only talks about showing him being tased. So I haven't seen anything that really talks a whole lot about evidence, so to speak, of the, you know, the initial push. But certainly you know, not what kids expect to see in the middle of the performance is their band director being tased. Um, you know, even if the police officer did come up to him, I mean, you obviously should not push a police officer. That's probably a bad call. But, um, you know, what, does a police officer need to come up to a band director and behave aggressively enough that would even result in him considering pushing? I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm a little pro band director here, given, you know, my background and whatnot. But I, it just doesn't sound like there's a way that this could have developed that wasn't a little bit out of league for that police department to do. But, you know, maybe maybe the so, band director overstepped. I don't know. I actually came across some students discussing this on TikTok this week. Okay. Um, some of this this band director's students who actually talked about it. And uh, it, from their understanding was that those bands had agreed and pre-scheduled a band battle to happen at the end of the game and the police were unaware of this. So the bands were staying to have their band battle. And when the police came over to clear it out, the the one band director said, okay, that's okay, whatever. It's fine. I'm Mm -hmm. leaving. Um, But the other band director was just very passionate about like, no, this is our, our, you know, this is our band battle. Like we scheduled this. And I don't understand. Was it, did it say if it was the home team's band director or the away team's band director? I thought I read that it was the away band director that uh, continued continued the performance. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, sort of a, I don't know. You know, I mean, we talk, we hear a lot about how you know the marching band is such an essential piece of every football game, and you know we have to have the band there and the band has to go, but yet right. somehow somehow the football game ends before the band is done playing. I feel like. You know, I feel like game night's not over if the band is still playing out there on the field for their post-game show. I will say, when I was in college, we did a post-game show, like from the stands, but we had music that everybody left the stands by. Yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to think of where, like, where the situation develops, where the band continue to play is so dramatic that the police need to get involved in the fact that the band is still playing. Like, right. just give them their 10 minutes and say something to the band right was like, hey, dude, you got to get out of here, you know, by a certain time, or I don't... I don't know. I just don't understand how this developed into a confrontation, but it sounds like it did. <laughs> Man, lots of aggression. Well, let's wrap up the news this week with a really happy story. Trish, why don't you finish us off? Bring us on home, Trish. 
Give us well, a good night it's, story. <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like WGI is right around the corner. Um, today was the first day um, to register for WGI events. Now, it was only Tier 1, so when you look on the WGI website, WGI.org, and you see so few, um, so many open spots for each regional, today was only Tier 1, which is for um, A class and above, so A open and world, and for units attending world championships. Tier 2, which is for a and above and um, not attending world championships um, is a week from today, next Thursday, which I will be dropping my students off at their special at 1145 and running back to my classroom so I can hit send at 12 o'clock because my group is in Scholastic A now. Yay. After last year's promotion. Woo! So we are tier two and then um, tier three, which is for, Pretty much anyone else that wants to enter a WGI event, um, including regional A class, that's going to happen on October 5th. But today just being the first day, even though it was only units that are registering for world championships, it was super cool to go on and see who's going, you know, who's going where and yeah. kind of get a little bit of an idea and all good. Very exciting. Okay, everyone. Thanks for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts, Trish and Steven, and of course, our guest host, Jonathan. Jonathan, if people want to find you on social media, how can they do that? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I have all those handles memorized. Um, I'm on the Facebook by my name, of course. And then my Instagram handle is J-M-L-I-S-C-H-A-K-1212. All right. I will follow you right after we're done recording. Uh -oh. <laughs> thank you so much to dorothea taylor follow her on her social media at taylor that's t-a-y-l-o-r dot dorothea d-o-r-o-t-h-e-a she is so amazing i cannot believe we got to talk to her this week go subscribe write us a review i might read your review live on the air or record it on the air i guess i should say <laughs> share this with a friend follow us on our social media at on a water break and we'll see you at the next rehearsal on a water break <laughs>